Hello everyone, this is Ian Hamilton with something special for our VR Download podcast. I recently spoke by Zoom call with Greg Daniels, a producer and writer known for The Office, Parks and Rec, as well as Amazon's new show, Upload, which just completed posting its third season. Our conversation has some spoilers regarding relationships and technology depicted in season three. So keep that in mind before you listen in. We talk about the writer strike, what it's like to work from home during a pandemic, and the changing landscape for creative people in Hollywood and elsewhere. Thank you for joining us. I'm a big fan of The Office. I enjoy Upload quite a bit. I need to catch up a little bit on season three. I feel like that's probably going to be the experience for a lot of people in the streaming age, catching up to shows in binge. It's interesting. We did a different release pattern this season. In the previous two seasons, we released them all at once. And people tended to binge them very quickly and then complain that there wasn't enough content for the time that they waited. So this time we decided to drop two a week. They're all up now. You can binge them right now. I think it was fun for the fans who had it fly by too quick. Now anybody can uh, pace themselves if they want to or binge through it if they want to. Uh, but I love this season. I think this is our best season. So I, I'm hoping people will will jump in. Can you talk about what's different between seasons one and two and three? We spent a lot of time exploring the notion of that there is one relationship between Nora and Nathan, who's been downloaded into the real world. And there's a second relationship happening between Ingrid and a copy of Nathan who was sort of a backup the way you when you you do time machine on your computer and you only have a backup from last month. So there's a last month backup of Nathan who's back in Lakeview and at first is not aware that he's a copy, assumes that, you know, he's the guy. And just as he walks around, everyone's looking at him funny because he's making reference to events that happened last month as if they're about to happen tomorrow. And uh, and Ingrid realizes that this is terrific for her because the last month of of actual Nathan's life, she just blew up the relationship by lying to him. And now she has a second chance. So she kind of puts everything on the table early on with the with the copy, the backup copy. And he accepts her. And he was backed up from right before Nora came back in season two. So. In his world, Nora left at the end of season one and has not shown up again. So that's kind of the relationship that Ingrid wished she had in season two. And she's getting to have it with a, a copy of the, the Nathan that Nora's with. And obviously, as you get into the season, the copies find out about each other's existence and it becomes humorously complicated as it a... Thing. When did that idea come together? It's been tried in other media, but it hasn't been tried this way. The way you're playing with this time machine backup of a person in two different relationships is fascinating in a way. It's new. Uh, well, you know, what happened was at the end of season two, Owen Daniels wrote the finale. And the finale was going to not be the finale, actually. It was going to be the second to last thing. But we were in the middle of covid and people started getting it and the rates started rising. And we had these great seven episodes in the can and we decided to end there. But we didn't have 
a complete ending. And Owen came up with the idea that they would reboot Nathan from the backup as one of the things that just would throw forward into season three and just be like an interesting thing. And as we started to break season three, we really fell in love with that as the sort of central storyline of the season. It's very philosophical. It's very romantic. It's very like interesting concept that first of all, that you could have multiple copies of yourselves. And at the moment that that happened, they would start to diverge because they would have different experiences. And the idea that you can try out different relationships, you don't really have that ability in life to see, would I be better with her or better with her? You know, And so you get to sort of try that out here. And and then then when they start to have a relationship between themselves, you know, it's like, uh, what would I feel like with an exact copy of myself who just started to diverge in the last few weeks? You know, is that kind of more like a brotherly thing? Are you super competitive? Are you, you know, uh, what? how would that go? And then what does it do to the other people, such as Luke, who really thinks of Nathan as his best friend? And now there's two of them. And they seem to be getting along better with each other at times. And he's jealous. And then, you know, he's got a, he's got like too much of a good thing almost. So it just seemed like a really fun way to give weird, unique science fiction, like generated character comedy stories to all of our characters. Yes. Science fiction. And that's where I wanted to talk with you. And I was, I was really genuinely excited for this conversation because I obviously work for uploadvr.com. We talked and you you noticed yes, that when perfect. we talked. I've been at this for a long time and you talked about a middletopia. You've been through a writer's strike and a pandemic while producing this show. And that's your workplace. I just and described the rise of AI, the rise of AI too. Yeah, so what does your workplace look like over the last few years? And I want to understand I want to understand that context for you personally as this person behind this idea. What does work life look like? It went virtual. It went on to Zoom for the most part. We're really looking forward to having a season 4 and coming back in person like we did season 1. But season two and season three, season two was underway about a month, and then the pandemic hit, and everything went on to Zoom. And then season three, we just stayed on Zoom because Amazon was playing it conservatively. It's not just the writer's room. It's also the post-production. So we had to figure out a workflow where instead of sitting in a room with the editor, I'm on Zoom on one screen. You know, another screen has the cut. And so we're chatting on the Zoom computer and, you know, the iPad has the cut playing or whatever. I mean, it's, in you know, sometimes, uh, especially during post, I would finish work and look at my phone and I took 84 steps that day, <laughs> just, you know, which was <laughs> really horrifying. <laughs> um, yep. But at least you're not, you know, spending any time commuting, I guess. Yeah, no, I get it. It's fascinating to think you're describing the experience of the people who are making virtual reality today, right? They're the same. They're remote workers, too, by and large, Yeah, uh, working in similar fashion, building these technologies that are very real today. And uh, I, I went I was in Meta's audience this year at Meta Connect with Snoop Dogg shown on the big screen doing AI D&D &D sessions. 
And all I could think about was, your, this feels directly out of your show. Well, in the pilot, actually, which we shot in 2018, I'd say, I'm trying to remember which celebrity it was. We kept, we kept having trouble getting the celebrity. But you know how in the show, the car talks with an Australian accent? Mm-hmm. So at first, that joke was various celebrities that the, that he had bought different celebrity you know, patches so that his car could talk to him as the rock or something like that. I don't think we did Snoop Dogg, but um, it just it, it got too tight at the end to be able to cast the right celebrity. So we just went with this Australian accent idea. But um, but yeah, now it's now it's real. It's crazy. Um, I think that the the interesting thing about the pandemic was the show upload has this virtual reality core to it in Lakeview. And especially for someone like Ingrid, who just basically gets up in the, puts on her suit and sits in her bathtub all day long. So her, she hug can, suit, her hug suit, her hug which suit, is a great right. name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she could pretend to be in Lakeview. I mean, that's like being a remote worker in a way. It's like, you know, you walk down, down the hall and you get it behind your desk and suddenly you're interacting with people and who knows if these are real people like for instance right now maybe i'm an ai i don't know right i mean i know i'm not but you don't know i'm not no uh, i i i've I, we've had this joke i've got i've got coworkers. so i i've worked with a, a co-worker david heaney we do a show podcast i sent you a link i don't know if you listened but like we record in virtual reality so he's built a studio which it's it's literally the what we can do with Lakeview today, right? Like it's it's yeah. what we can do with today's technology to produce Lakeview. And as yeah. one person in London and one person in New York here, and we're able to get that synchronous enough to do an audio podcast that's decent yeah. quality. And that's where I'm going to put our conversation is the same place where we have that. So I've worked with this person for years and I've met him twice in their physical world. Yeah. Um, Have you had the experience that he was taller than you thought? Because that that's a really fun thing is when you at the end of the season, when you have the writer's room, you know, dinner to celebrate the finish of the season or whatever, and you walk in and there's somebody and you're like, oh shit, you're six (laughs) five. I didn't have any clue. He's an inch taller than me, and it legitimately annoys me. Yeah, no, I totally and uh he's also a fast walker, all these little things that, that are the shock of of real life so yeah. you said you were setting out to build a middletopia in season one i had a word that i coined actually which obviously i coined for like four interviews and has not taken off and become <laughs> a thing. but um the uh the idea though there's a word I, I i i made it out of a greek word uh i call i called it an anoitopia and i think it um, it's like A-N-O-I-topia. And there's like utopia is a good vision of the future and dystopia is like a bad vision. And anoitopia is like the comedically incompetent version of the future, the irritating version. And to me, that's where we end up all the time anyway. It's like the utopia is what the tech companies are promising when they unveil their project. The dystopia is what's always in fiction, where all the bombs have gone off and we're just, you know, drinking dirty water out of a ditch in the year 2100 or whatever. And the anoitopia is what happens. It's like, yeah, okay, it's some, there's some good things about it, but then the machinery keeps running people over when it's destroyed independent journalism. So, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> is that worth it? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I don't know what you can or will say right now about the writer's strike. That's a 
difficult subject to be put on the spot about, but I'm talking to humans who are building this technology. One of the people I've talked to this year, her name is Leanne Pedante. She is the head of fitness at Supernatural, which is Meta's fitness service that they acquired that nearly got stopped by the FTC. So she is the face of fitness right now in virtual reality. Mm -hmm. And she's a Meta employee. There's no there's no unions uh, that I know of to cover performances in VR. The performers who actually appear in front of people inside of virtual reality experiences today. So I'm I'm gonna give you the space to deal with that subject. I just I just threw at you. Well, we put something in season two, which I thought was pretty funny, which was that the AI guy on the show who is basically like the personification of Alexa in the world of Lakeview. It's like considering that the metaphor is a luxury hotel, the digital luxury hotel, he's all of the bellboys and the front desk and all the different service roles. And in our story, he is a human actor named Boris Netherlands who was paid $1,200 to have his identity scanned and used as the basis for the artificial intelligence. And he's really bitter about it because he got a one-time payment. This is one of the things that SAG was striking over, is the the use of extras to be scanned and then become digital extras, and you pay them once, and then you never have to pay them again. And uh, so that's like, it's a real, it's a real concern. I think that, unfortunately, with the Writers Guild, I was hoping that they would get coverage for the following scenario, which is you take anybody like myself who's had a a lengthy career and maybe has developed a style. Um, The studios are able to feed all of the episodes I've ever written into a learning machine and ask for a hundred pilots in the style of Greg Daniels. And they are not allowed to get... um, copyright for from the AI, they have to give it to a human being, but it doesn't have to be me. They can give it to a human being who's already under contract on a deal with them, or they can give it to a human being who's just started out and is going to not ask for any money for it. And the Writers Guild would, would have been the only place that would have protected the work of of writers who've worked for a long time to not be fed into the machine and, you know, spit out. Uh, over and over again. So unfortunately, they didn't get that. Um, but other than that, I think it was probably a, a successful strike in the sense that we didn't um, fall apart. And and, and anytime you're going to have a, a strike, solidarity among the strikers is the most important factor. And there was good solidarity at the time among the writers, you know, that's all a rank and file person like myself can do is to show up and pick it. It's up to the, the the leadership to get the right, you know, deal and everything. So I've got two kids and my oldest is teenager and invested in a large number of TV shows and their future and was following each blow of the strike, trying to understand what's going on and, and how that matters. You know, I have a, I have a child who's a, 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 early creative you know they're learning theater uh right now and music and i'm a journalist and i'm trying to hold the companies to account who could be building 
the annoy future you're depicting so humorously. So you do stand as an expert person of, of sorts to ask, what should we be thinking about and what should I get my people thinking about? Well, you know, I'll tell you that I was a judge January 2023 at MIT. They had a what they called a hackathon for AI in film. And it was 20 short films that all used AI in some capacity. And this was before ChatGPT. And I left being very freaked out because it looked like they were basically taking a crew list and trying to replace every person who traditionally works on a production with AI that would do their job. So there was AI that would edit. There was AI that would instantaneously compose music based on the colors that were happening or whatever, as well as the script writing AI. And what I, the impression that I got out of it was that the end goal for a company like Netflix, who's always been very excited about their algorithm, knowing exactly what everybody wants, would be this is this is the vision to me all right you're you're on the train say you finish up your work you you realize there's 18 minutes left before you pull into the station you put your virtual reality goggles on and you say to netflix i want to see an 18 minute movie that leaves me feeling energized okay so instantaneously they write a script knowing your taste from all the other movies you've liked on the show on the service and uh, and maybe the star is Tom Hanks and, you know, like Ingrid Bergman, like two people who didn't live in the same era, but you you actually like both of them. And they're combined. They're the two stars and they're all generated, you know, off the, the vast library of footage by the A.I. The script was written by the A.I. in one point two seconds. You know, all, uh, the 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 future version of Mid Journey that's generating video instead of photos from a script prompt is generating all of the the backgrounds and the deep fake voices in the computer of Tom Hanks and Ingrid Bergman are saying the new lines. And you basically watch a completely auto-generated 18-minute movie and the, the auto-generated music comes to a crescendo just as your train's pulling into the station. And if you liked it, you could press a button and save it. And if not, it just disappears and no one but you has ever seen that movie and it's it's almost like you're saying to your your mom tell me a story when you're like five years old you know what i mean to me that's what they're aiming at and you'd be paying i don't know how much would you pay for the ability to to see completely unique movies every you know every time you pressed a button it'd probably be worth a lot to you the downside would be that there'd be no human beings involved in the generation of our culture anymore. That would be pretty crap, I think, that you know, all of the ideas are being fed to you from chopped up old ideas by a by a machine. I don't know. That I mean that's a crazy vision, obviously. It's I don't think it's necessarily doable in the near term, but it does seem to me like that's that's what they're aiming at. Oh, um, yeah. So sorry, <laughs> that, was, that was a downer. No, it's funny because, like, you know, I, I'm I, I'm a dad. I don't I can't remember if you're a dad or if you've got kids, but like, yeah, I've got kids. Yeah, and they and they a lot of them want to. You know, a, a lot of kids want to be creative, and there is something terrific about writing stories and doing art and 
And if if machines can do everything instantaneously better than us, I, I don't know what that where that leaves people. Do you know, I don't know if they're going to get paid to do it if there's a machine that'll do it better. So, I mean, yeah, who knows? I mean, my hope is that this has been this technology has been completely oversold by the companies uh, <laughs> in order to boost their stock price, and that actually, you know, because like we're pretty—I don't know how close we are to true self-driving cars. Yeah, I, I hear that we're further than they they say. But well, so Greg, I mean, like I I would love so I asked your uh, the the PR reps who are listening in on this call before we uh, started the call whether you could say anything about uh, season four, and they said no, you can't say anything about season four. You did say something about season four, but I would love to sit down with you and check in if you get more seasons because I feel like this is an important conversation. I love to get this out there in front of people because that it's it's a couple things that 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 come to mind and I and I don't know if you've had this experience yet. Um 2007-2008 I was in college and that was right when the first iPhone came out and I believe that was the previous writer's strike. Yeah, uh, BJ Novak was doing stand up and I went to see him in San Francisco and he did a joke and I was the only person in the audience with an iPhone. I remember it because I he did a joke talking about a Craigslist ad where a, a person on Craigslist said they would do anything for a ticket to a show tonight. So he called them up live on stage and I wanted to know if this Craigslist ad was real. So I looked it up on my iPhone in in the audience um, of BJ Novak stand up. And uh, then my drunk college pals and I used turn-by-turn directions to use Google Maps to march across San Francisco back to our hotels as drunk college kids. Two superpowers that I was the only person in the room to have Mm. at that moment in time. You know, a writer's strike, a new technology device in my pocket, and nobody using it that way. Um, And now I've got a pair of glasses, a pair of sunglasses made by Ray-Ban sold by Meta. They're $300, $400. You can get them with your prescription glasses. And they capture my perspective as I'm walking around New York City. Um, Do they add stuff? Is it AR? Nope. It's just straight my perspective, straight straight me walking around. Um, But it's stabilized. It's like a dolly cam. It's as stabilized as as any stable cam you could ever want. but it's my ego. It's my perspective being captured here. It it erases. So I'm I'm looking at you. It's the same as this, but we're making eye contact. It's a completely di- it's a completely different way of capturing media and expressing oneself. And it it encourages you to almost like as I've been just living with this device the last two months. The only time I felt this way was when I got a VR headset. And now when I'm capturing these these images in a new way. Are you seeing the images? Are you going back and reviewing them? Or are you just Yeah, so they all download to your phone and you've got a a beautiful sort of super wide angle stabilized of of your field of view. It's beautiful. That's crazy. You know, I sometimes just like for fun, I've done it for years. I'll just sit, I'll be sitting somewhere like in a waiting room or something, and I'll I'll see what's in my field of vision and I'll say, if you were presented this at the end of your life, just this snapshot, would you be able to remember where you were at this time? You know, like you're you're in the doctor's waiting room or whatever. You know what I mean? And and it's it's amazing to think of uh, 
people walking around and recording everything and being able to say exactly what it was. And I mean, it, this year, this how year, much carbon do you think, how much carbon do you think is being used up to, to store your <laughs> your point of view on your glasses? I've got seventy gigabytes in that app. So, however much carbon that cost <laughs> uh, is is what's stored in the last year of, of recording this way. So, it's not active yet. They've said they're going to add it this year. But while I'm recording the video, I can say, "Hey, Meta, what is this?" Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting though is like, is that who's benefiting from you wearing those glasses? Because part of me thinks that you're doing the work for Meta of recording the world, and then, you know, training. You're training their systems. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, and yet you're paying them for the privilege. Yep. I outlined for you the way we do our podcast recording. Meta is doing full body captures today of yeah. avatars. I do believe you and I are probably within three years of being able to have a conversation like this in VR and feel like your avatar is real. Yes. And what happens if one of us insults the other and gets smacked in the face? Will we feel that? No physical. But I mean... I, I guess if you unless you unless you add a hug suit, that's a separate cost, yeah. right? You got to go get the hug suit separate as your as your show is outlined. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I I mean, as uh, I've obviously had a long career, and so when I look back at all these changes, it's more with a feeling of like, huh? Well, it's not how we did it, and you know, maybe maybe there's some people out there looking forward in their twenties with an incredible excitement at how they're going to be able to make their own movies, you know, complete feature length movies by just talking through prompts to an AI. And maybe they'll, maybe that's they'll, not you. I mean, that isn't you, right? Well, I mean, I, I loved, I loved working with other people. I loved the different kinds of people that a crew assembles the personalities of the people that do special effects and stunts that are so different from the, the art directors and the, you know, costumers and like, it's such a uh, fun to me uh, uh, process um, of putting on a show. I mean, I feel like maybe theater will get more uh, important as it's easier and easier to make filmed entertainment with a computer. Dun Dungeons and dragons and people, people, Prompting a computer back and forth at one another is very interesting to me. The classic idea of improvisation on stage with a computer, yes, and helping you seems like it could be a really cool idea. That is a half hour. Thank you so much for the time, Greg. And I hope to well, talk to you in the future as this technology becomes real. Yes. Well, let's hope that we both stay human beings and uh, that neither of us are replaced with a Auto -gen generated. Uh, I, I will not. Come, I will not come to get you uploaded. So if if some if an Ian Hamilton in your future comes to get you uploaded, that is not me. That's you know. Okay, good. Thanks for the warning. Yeah, we need a safe word. Yeah, yeah. We'll work that <laughs> off. Not in front of everyone at the podcast, though. We'll do that. Sounds off good. Okay. All right. Thank you, Greg. I'll talk to you Thanks later. A lot. Fun conversation. Bye. Thank you. Bye.